It's from Mark chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 20. And our drummer's now leaving us to uh, teach the kids' program upstairs. If you're interested in being a part of the uh, wonderful kids' ministry that we have in our church, please come and chat to me sometime. It would be great to have you on board. Mark chapter 5. Just bear with me a moment. Reading. They went across the lake to a region of Genesenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came, came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and had no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and, and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry to out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and, and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High? Most High God, sorry. Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied. For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the, country, on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 in, in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legend of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had, been, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to, their, <coughs> to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, a man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with them, with him rather. Jesus did not let him, but he said, go home to your family and, and tell them how, how much the, the Lord has done for you and how he has 
mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell, tell the decapitalists how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. That's God's word. Thanks, Albert. As we turn to the word of God, let's bow before him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and cares for us. You are our creator and our sustainer. And you seek to save us from those things that would imprison us and destroy us. So Lord, tune our, our hearts that we would understand your word. Lord God, my words that I would speak only truth. Glorify yourself in us and through this time we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus came that he might save. It's a simple message, isn't it? But he came from heaven to the earth so that he might save the people of the earth. Today we're seeing that Jesus crosses a lake, not content just to save the people on one side, but intent on saving those on the other side. If you're aware of the, some of the geography that uh, Bob's already remind us, reminded us of this morning, on one side of the lake, the Jews had you know, most of their, their cities and towns. There was uh, Gentile-controlled cities in that region as well. But the further you went from Jerusalem, the further you went into um, Roman-occupied territory and towns. Uh, at the, the Decapolis, as we've heard of it spoken at the end of the, uh, the passage there, are ten towns that are, are Roman towns. And so it's really a land uh, full of Gentiles. And Jesus says he, he comes to the far sh shore of the lake after calming the storm and uh, leading his disciples to safety is met by not just a Gentile, but a, a man who is demon-possessed and a herd of pigs, um, animals that were unclean to the Jewish people. Jesus goes to where the people are, and he makes it clear that he has come from heaven to earth he, that he might save us, not just his people Israel, but all the people of the earth. And so we travel with Jesus to this far side of the lake and see immediately there is need there. Why is it that people need Jesus? Why did Jesus come from heaven to earth? Why did he travel from one town to another intent on preaching what he said was good news? Really because he understands our condition better than we understand it ourselves. We need deliverance. We've been made in the image of God, the Bible says, from the very opening pages. God spoke and he created light. And he created all of the things in this world that we see and enjoy every day. And he created us that we might rule over the world, that we might enjoy its, its bountiful produce. 
and that daily we would give thanks to God, the provider of all things. That was his purpose for us, but that's not our condition. Early in the story, the enemy came and he corrupted the hearts of Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, that they might sin against God, that we might turn our back on him, that he might have the power over all things. And so in the world today, when we look out, we see the wonders of God's creation. And we see that truly we have a special role to play in all that God has made. But we see also that this world is under the power of the prince of the earth. That there is devastation, that there is destruction, that there is imprisonment, that there are people who are being tormented in their daily lives. Why? Because we have turned our back on God. We are in slavery to sin. And the enemy rules the day. Well, that was the condition that Jesus stepped into. It's why he came from heaven to earth. It's why he traveled around those first cities that Mark speaks to us of. It's why he crosses the lake. And it's why we have this word preserved for us today. That we might know that the world is not just as we see it. But there are powers and, and, and people at, at work in the, the spiritual realms that, that have very real effects on our lives as we live them today. And the man that we're introduced to is a man tormented by many demons. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd been bound with shackles and chains and wrenched them. No one had strength to subdue him, so night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying and cutting himself with stones. Jesus says, as recorded in John's Gospel, the enemy, the thief, he comes to steal, kill and destroy but Jesus says, I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. If you were to look in Isaiah, you would get a bit of a, a picture of the story that's, that's hidden from our eyes. Isaiah says of the enemy, he says, How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, how you were cut to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the, the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. The enemy, the evil one, Satan, he's fallen from heaven and cast down to the earth. And his destruction is certain. He knows it. But in the time that he is allowed, he wants to bring down as much of God's creation as he can. He wants to take those born in the image of God and to destroy anything that looks like God in them. To make them more like himself. To make themselves out to be God. This man has shown himself as one with incredible strength. No one can subdue him. And there's something that may seem attractive in that. Wouldn't it be great to have the power of many men to be able to cast off shackles and break the chains? 
you would think that there would be such great freedom that comes with this. Such are the, the things that the enemy still likes to tempt people with. He puts across these ideas of what will give you power and what will give you strength. But how is the man's life described? He's walking among the tombs. He's living as a dead man. He cuts himself in order that, well, the enemy's purpose is that he would destroy the image of God. You can see it's the enemy at work in his life. There is strength there, but there is no freedom. And there is no peace. There was a story told to our young people on Friday night. Susie Jones came up just for the evening and, and was telling about her recent travels to the Philippines and, and showed the kids a video of a young girl who discovered one day that her, her parents were drug dealers and so went to school with this great shame of, of what her parents did. Uh, she was in great poverty and so was adopted by compassion well into their programs not adopted out of her family but but cared for through the work of compassion and the pastors of the church and those working with the church there began to tell this girl a different story of her life not that she was uh, to be to see her value as as the child of, of drug dealers but that she would see her value as one who has been chosen by God and loved by God. And the wonderful story that, uh, that Susie showed on the video and, and said also she'd met this girl and she'd met the workers of the church was this girl began to, to transform her own life because she believed herself as a child of God, not just the, the child of drug dealers, such that her father began to see a change in her life and began to be proud of her, he would say to, to his friends, look at my beautiful daughter, how proud I am of the person that she is becoming. So proud that he gave up his life of drug dealing uh, because of the, the transforming work that God was doing in their lives. Now, one of the, the kids at youth group said, but aren't drug dealers rich? That's kind of the image that we get portrayed, isn't it? That you make lots of money by dealing with drugs and, and that might be a, a, a course to freedom and power in your life. I wonder what are the things that the enemy is tempting us with that we might think, well, that, in that I might have freedom, in that I might have power. But the story clearly showed that, well, that may be the picture that gets sold to us, but this family was in in dire straits this family was tormented in so many different ways but god had a much better plan and purpose for them this man falls at jesus feet we don't know if it's the the man himself or or the the demons at work within him but he falls before jesus and crying out in a loud voice says what have you to do with me jesus son of the most high god I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus was already beginning to speak into this man's life. Be free, be free. Enemy, leave this man. It's interesting that even in Jesus' voice and by his, the power of his own command, the demons did not leave immediately. But they fell before his feet. The enemy has plans and purposes against God. But we know that Jesus comes with the authority of God to command the evil spirits to leave. He comes to bring freedom. 
Sometimes when we do look at the world around us and, and even the enemy and, and the chains that he puts on his own life, we, we can think, well, we're just destined to this life, just destined to this identity. This is who I am. This is what my life has amounted to. And we end up just wandering the, among the gravestones, cutting our, our, our flesh, trying to somehow remind ourselves that we are alive looking for ways that we might appease the, the pain that's within. This man fell before the feet of Jesus and acknowledged he had the power and authority to change his life. We need to do the same. On Monday, um, Norm was leading the, uh, the music at Salton and took on a, a St. Patrick's Day theme. Um, I might tell you more of that story next week as part of the children's talk. But it caused me to go and study this man uh, now remembered as St. Patrick. He wasn't born under that name, but, uh, um, but it's how we remember him. And I, I did some research on, on who he is and how he's remembered today and came across a prayer that's recited in the Catholic Church. Um, what's it called? Um, St. Patrick's Breastplate. I want to read some of it to you today because... Uh, he was a man who, uh, for a time, was held in captivity in, in pagan Ireland. Uh, he, he wasn't born there. He was, he was born in Scotland. Uh, he wasn't Irish, uh, really. Um, but he was there, taken there as a slave for a time and learnt the language before being rescued and went back to England. Uh, in that time of slavery, he came into a close relationship with God and when he returned to England, studied in order that he might become a priest but heard God's call upon his life to go back to Ireland. Uh, in the, the vision, a little bit uh, like, uh, like the vision that Paul received, he received a vision to, to come and work among us. And so he went back and, and began to teach the people who, who were worshipping things of, of stone and wood as their gods. And this is his prayer. The first part goes like this. I rise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness, of the creator of creation. Those words we may be somewhat familiar with, but later in his prayer he prays this. I summon today all these powers between me and those evils, against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul, Christ to shield me today, against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. I wonder if your prayer in the morning sounds a little bit like that. He's acknowledging that when he goes into the, the world that he is going to be faced with the forces of darkness. And he, preaches, he prays against them before he preaches his first message of deliverance. He acknowledges that, that the enemy is at work and he puts people in shackles, that he binds them with chains stronger than any that, that man could make. It keeps people in oppression. But Patrick prayed this prayer knowing that God had the power over the enemy. He prayed against the witches and the smiths and the wizards 
who were alive and active in, in the 5th century island and who are alive and active today. I've been clearing the, uh, the shelves in the office in order that I might reduce the library a little bit and create a bit more space. And it's interesting just the titles of the books that, that are coming out. One I picked up uh, on spiritualism and, and the Anglican Church's response to it uh, was written in the 70s and they were talking about the movie The Exorcist and how it was uh, sort of opening people's eyes up to, uh, to black things and, and in a way was creating interest in a lot of people of these things. In that movie I think the priest showed himself powerless over the works of the enemy. And I think you might say with me that since the 70s, this is not something that has gone away. That more and more and more publicly, people are being attracted to these things, thinking that maybe there's a word of knowledge in this for me. Maybe there is a power. Maybe there is release. Maybe there is something that is, is going to be attractive for me. And certainly it is attractive. The enemy is, is good at, at cloaking himself as, as an angel of light. He wants to take hold of people's lives. He wants to corrupt. He wants to destroy. But just like Patrick, who became very effective in, in going into a, a pagan island but, but leaving it a Christian island, we too can be effective if we recognise the power of Christ over all of these things. We keep reading... There was a great herd of pigs feeding there on the hillside. They begged Jesus, saying, Send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The demon, when asked its name, replied, I am legion. Now, in the Roman military, a legion would be 6,000 men may not have been 6,000. We hear there were 2,000 pigs that these uh, demons went into. may not have been that number, but it's a, it's a great number. But Jesus speaks to them and directs them where they should go. He sees the pigs and, and knows their value. He created them, but compares them to the life of this one man before him and says, this one is created in my image. This one I hold of such great value and significance. As Jesus says in the temple in other places, you know that two sparrows are sold for a penny, but not one of them falls without the Father's knowledge. You are worth more than many sparrows. We read in this passage that your life is worth more than many pigs. Jesus knows that you have been created in the image of God, that you might glorify him in your life. Jesus comes that you might be delivered from the powers of darkness, called into his light to return to the, the image of God that he has created you for. Just like that girl in the Philippines, her father saw when she began entrusting her life to God that, that there is a better life for, for her and, and for him to be living. God wants for us to be living that better life and he values your life here today. As the, the man is released from the demons and the herdsmen flee into the city to, uh, to tell the people what has happened, 
The people came out to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I wonder what was it that made them afraid? Was it the man who was naked before, now sitting before them clothed and in his right mind? Why fear him now? You would have thought the fear of the, the man crazed would have been greater. Or was it not him that they feared? Was it the man that he was sitting in front of? Jesus, who though they couldn't control this man with chains and, and shackles, had by a word been able to bring this man into his right mind and into freedom. Maybe it was him that they feared. For the people then began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. But as the man was getting into the boat, uh, as he was getting into the boat, the man who Jesus that had been possessed, excuse me, begged him that he might be with him. I wonder, is that a response that you're familiar with? Those who have come and met Jesus face to face and had a taste of his power in their lives beg to be with him? But those who don't know, those who only see the power of work or the, hear the teaching of, of Jesus, refuse to have him in their company. They beg Jesus to leave while the man transformed begs to go with him. I wonder, are you someone who has been resisting Jesus and his influence in your life? Or are you someone who dearly desires to be with him? If you are resisting him, maybe it's because of the shackles that are held inside. Maybe there are things that you have given yourself over to in, in the hope that these things might bring power, that these things might bring freedom, that in these things I might find deliverance. But it's only Jesus who comes with the power to bring us back into the, the image of God that we've, we are created for. And if we've experienced that freedom and that deliverance, our desire, like this man, should be that we would continue with Jesus and be with him as he goes on his way. Strangely, though, it would seem, Jesus did not permit him but said to him, Go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. One of the things that's strange about that isn't just that Jesus doesn't permit him to get into the boat and go with him, but Jesus gives him permission to go and tell people what he's done. We've heard of the, the lepers being healed who, who Jesus said, Go and show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anyone what has happened. This man, Jesus, gives the freedom to go. Tell your family, tell your friends what the Lord has done for you. And we'll see as we go on into Mark's gospel that while Jesus gets in the boat and leaves at this point because the, the reception is hostile, when he returns later to preach among those cities of the Decapolis, those ten Gentile cities, the reception is very different. I wonder if it's on this man's testimony that hearts have been changed. Declare what the Lord has done. That's our call as well. If we've been released, if we've found freedom in Christ, we're to go and tell people what God has done for me. 
The research suggests that more people will be transformed by your personal testimony than will be through my preaching from the pulpit. It's as you go out and say, you know, I've been taken by the enemy. I've, I've believed his lives. I've, I've lived in rebellion against God. But I want to tell you of what it's like when Jesus comes into my life. I want to tell you how he's transformed my life and the life of my family, the life of my children, as we've come under his teaching, as we've come under the power of his deliverance, as we've begin, begun to walk daily by his power and his authority. These things are the glory of God. And there will be those who stand against you and those who push you away, but there will be those who hear and say, that's what I need. I've been trying to fight against these things all of my life, but I can't. The enemy is more powerful than me. I need to find that person who has power even against the evil one. Mark's intent as he writes this is that you might see Jesus not just as a powerful man, but as God himself. Read again. Jesus says to him, go and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. Verse 20 says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. We read those words so easily as synonymous. We, we read Jesus and Lord and we say, yes, we know they're the same person. But Mark's writing so that everyone will know that when we tell the stories of Jesus, we're telling the story of God. He wasn't just a great man with great teaching who was able to perform some magic tricks or show some power. There are plenty of people out there who are able to do those sorts of things under the power of the enemy. But this man, this man is God. He comes not to steal, steal, kill and destroy, but he comes that you might have life and have it abundantly. For that is what you were created for, and that is why he came. I began the uh, service this morning with some uh, words from Psalm 65. Let me just return to a few of them. Psalm 65 verse 7 says, Who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and the tumult of the peoples. Last week we looked at that story of Jesus being able to speak to the wind and the waves and he speaks peace and the storm leaves. But Jesus doesn't just have the power of God over the things of creation. Jesus comes with the power of God to speak peace into your life. He wants to take your storms and take your struggles, break the shackles and bring you to peace. Let's pray that the Lord will do his work in us and through us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came from heaven to earth. We thank you that you cross the boundaries, that you seek us like a shepherd searching after the lamb that has been caught in the thicket and cannot save itself. You leave the 99 and you search for the one lost Lord Jesus, we thank you that you come for us, that you might bring deliverance to our lives, 
that we would be able to sit before you clothed in our right minds with the right sort of fear of God, understanding his power and rejoicing in his freedom. Lord Jesus, you gave your disciples authority to preach these words, to cast out evil spirits, to bring good news to people's lives. Lord, we pray that by your power and by your name, that we too would cross boundaries, that we would speak to people yet held in darkness and bring them to freedom, bring them to the light, bring them to kneel at your feet and declare that you alone are God, that Jesus is Saviour, that we are made in the image of God for the glory of God. Do your work in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.